Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode 59 of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. I am Andrew Wynn, and with me is Mr. Michael Freeman. I was thinking about last week when uh, we made that joke about calling you Dr. Michael Freeman, and I realized I don't know your middle name. I don't think I do. Do I? Is it John? Is it no. Francis? Close. Frank? My, my grandfather's name was Francis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Michael Ryan Freeman. Oh, I did know that. I think you said it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I just, uh, I have been wanting to introduce you as Dr. Michael Freeman yeah. for a while now <laughs> since we talked about this, it. This, You know what? I appreciate that. This will be the last time you do that. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you, Mike? Life's good, man. Life's good. We're, uh, we're rolling into spring. We've got baseball every night of the week. Yeah, this and, is your second uh, week of baseball. Yeah, 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 second week of full throttle, and uh, we started, and then I went to went went away for a week, and then I'm back, and now we're you know second week, full week. Yeah, we've got uh, Ella's got practice two nights a week. Asher has it two different nights of the week, and Jay has it three to four nights of the week, and so we're we're pretty busy. It sounds like it, man. I it's it's a the weather is beautiful. I love seeing more kids be outside and just hanging out and doing things. Uh, for us in the Pacific Northwest, I, I think it's a blessing when we can finally get out of our houses, especially with the year that we have had. So it's been pretty cool. It's been pretty cool. And with the spring coming, we have Easter mm-hmm. coming up. I am. Uh, I'm really excited for this. This weekend's going to yeah. be great. You know, we're starting a new series. Mm-hmm. We're calling it "I'm Done," and it's just kind of wrestling with the the internal struggle that all of us have and. We might not externally kind of verbalize it and say, you know, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. I'm, I'm jaded. I'm depressed. I'm frustrated. But, you know, the gospel, it, 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 it provides an answer in those moments that is really beautiful and really helpful and, and real. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited to wade into that. At the same time, a few weeks after we start this series, you're going to start a class on yeah. some of the same kind of ideas. Yeah. It's on um, kind of just clarity around the issues of sexuality and, and struggle and how do you think through that and how do you train others yeah. and teach others through that? I, I'm su- super excited about that. So I, I've gone through some classes with the Pure Desire uh, Ministries and they they do such a good job of doing more than just like, hey, here are the boundaries. It also dives into like what sins or what, like what has happened in the past that creates us to, that, that has cr- made us want to rebel against God's God's design and it shows us how we can apply the gospel in a meaningful and practical way of hurts from the past and things. So I, I'm really excited to launch that here with uh, our, our buddy Mike Lipford uh, mm-hmm. when we when we do that on Sunday nights here. Now speaking of being done, you know our series is I'm done, but you are you are done with your CrossFit competition. Dude, I'm done with CrossFit forever. <laughs> Jeez, man. So, Tell us about that. Man. Oh, How'd you do? Uh, I, I, I actually today I'll probably go check out the ranking. So actually, I, I looked at my results so far where I'm tracking, and I've gone down like two percent in the world. So like it used to be I was like the top eighteen uh, percent or whatever, like, so really bad, as in there are like 82% people better than me at this, and out of, out of all the ranked people, and then uh, this year, so far, I've been tracking at 16%, which makes sense, man. Um, I say this, and it sounds kind of negative, but I'm actually, I'm inspired. I, there is a cool moment when you're, you're tested, and you realize, you know what, I've been really hovering around my comfort zones lately and not really been getting after like my weak parts, weak weaknesses in my life. And now I just, I want to get after it. Yesterday I did the last workout and what was the most challenging for me is gymnastics. I'm a strong guy. I can throw around weight, 
but because uh, my strength to weight ratio, it's hard for me to do things like handstands or like like pull ups or any of the gymnastic stuff that's that's a part of CrossFit. So that was challenging for me, but uh, that's something for me to work on, and that will be my focus as I prepare for the Spartan races coming up in in August. Man, that's so, a cool perspective. It, it yeah. actually reminds me of. You know, today I heard about a Gallup poll that just came out mm-hmm. um, polling the United States of America. And it said that for the first time, people are actually polled. And, you know, a poll, a survey, is, it is what it is. But they're surveyed at saying that now um, less than half of America identifies as a member of a church. Oh, really? For the first time in, in history. Okay. And so we're at 47%, I think is what I saw. Okay. And so there's a, you know, it makes me think about what you said in terms of encouraged, you know, because I think this this reveals a lot of people that maybe have been Christian cultured mm-hmm. are saying, you know, I'm not really part of that anymore. Cause they maybe not were, they maybe weren't really part of the faith, mm-hmm. but then part of that is just, it helps us to realize, man, we, those who are listening to this podcast, likely are believers. Mm-hmm. We're in the mission field. We're not in a Christian culture anymore. We're not in a world that's surrounded by the things of, of Christ. You know, our, our nation has some foundation there, but more and more we're in a secular culture, which means we have so many opportunities to to live for Christ and to, to aim people, to point people, to love people toward Jesus. Yeah, I think I, I, I see the connection there because like for us to find a result like that, we could be downtrodden about it, but really it's kind of a call to say, you know what? It's time to step up a little bit. Take this a little more seriously because we're not in a culture that uh, that we are the mainstream anymore. We actually haven't been the mainstream in a long time, and that's okay. That means we should expect resistance, but at the same time, we should also expect that God's going to do mighty things when he does. Yeah. So that's that's a beautiful and fun challenge. Yeah, I mean, I guess connecting that dot's a little tighter. I see you as saying, man, I got some work to do, but you're inspired to do it. I think at the church, we should be saying, you know, I got some work to do. We can assume that most of the people we meet, they don't know Christ. And so we can assume that God's working in their life and bringing us into their life for the kind of conversation, the kind of friendship that might possibly lead them to know Christ. And so I think there's a lot of hope there and some inspiration. Yeah, 100%. That's been so cool. And you know, it's we talk about God doing things. I love that we have some students now within our youth group who are passionate, or maybe they're growing passion. Uh, they definitely have an interest right now in evangelism. And through our Faith Life TV curriculum that we've been getting as a church, man, they've been jumping in there, watching the videos, asking questions, and really being challenged with the notion of, like, just last week we watched together, there's that notion of uh, there is the the cultural Christian, and then there's the uh, congregational Christian, the person who only shows up for Easter and Christmas, and then there's the convictional Christian. The person actually has Christian convictions. And for our students to to see that there are delineations in that, it kind of woke them up and be like, you know what? I'm challenged to make sure that I, I want to be more than just a cultural Christian or a congregational Christian. I want to have Christian convictions. And that also gives them a uh, an aim as they walk with people to be like, man, let's grow in your faith to be Christians of conviction. So it's 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 a fun season. It's I, I like seeing God move in so many different ways yep. right now. And you know, the, the biggest conviction actually is going to be around this weekend. Yeah. You know, this is the weekend for Easter weekend. And I think if there's one conviction that as believers, we, we cling to more than any other, right? I mean, we can cling to our, uh, our moralistic worldview. We can cling to Christian ethics. We can cre- cling to serving the, fo- the, the, for, the poor. Yeah. You know, we can cling to all these things that are part of the Christian faith, but, but there's one conviction that I think drives the rest. There's one conviction in our faith that that really moves people from that being cultural or being congregational when they really grasp this conviction. And it's the conviction that Jesus, 
He lived that perfect life. He died that substitutionary death on the cross for you and for me, was buried and resurrected. That's what we're celebrating this weekend, Jesus' right. death and resurrection. That's right. When we when we properly understand that as the the greatest moment in all of history, when we properly understand that as as the moment when when God is acting in amidst mankind, among mankind for the salvation of of us, mm-hmm. I think that when when we look at that and its beauty and its glory that moves us from saying, oh, you know, I go to church culturally or yeah, I attend, mm-hmm. but like, no, 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 this is this is everything. This is the core of who I am and yeah. this drives me in every other area of my life. You know, that's yeah. that's the main conviction, right? It is. And I, it's gonna be such a refreshing time to look at this and be hopefully renewed as we move forward with the future. Mike, I, uh, I was actually just thinking about this. You just came to the end of our our series with the law of God. You know, I for me, you, you asked me to be part of that. I got to uh, really dive into um, don't 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 lie. Yeah. What did I do? Yeah. No. yeah. I can tell it really made a big <laughs> impact it, it on it, you. But it, it actually did. It made <laughs> me because uh, it, it made me. It, I, I dove deeper and kind of internalized like the idea of like. God's justice mm-hmm. and just that that tension between um, what the world wants us to do and what God's word tells us, and there is that tension there. And there are a couple of takeaways for me of just being a part of that. But is there were there any big takeaways for you as you? I, I guess what I was getting is like pastors learn as they are preparing sermons, series, and they they are touched, and they are convicted by the messages as they prepare. Is there anything that you kind of think of on, on off the top of your head? You know what this series did for me is it. It increased the value of God's law in my in my life a hundredfold. You know, I think it's really it's easy to set God's law aside, and you know, because we're in Christ, and mm-hmm. so we've been forgiven, and so we're not bound to obey the law for our salvation, right? And so, because of that, it's easy to kind of almost like set the Old Testament even aside as like you know, oh yeah, it's kind of important. But when we recognize what God's law does, that's what we did the first two weeks. We said God's law, it aims us at the gospel. It points us to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And then once we've trusted the gospel, then God's law, it leads us in love. It actually shows us how do we truly love God? Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then how do we truly love our neighbor? And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, I don't know if it was like this astounding, like intellectual enlightenment, these things I knew, Mm -hmm. I think it just, it it sunk down deeper into me. Like this is, I'm free from the law and now I live within the law so that I can love my my savior and so that I can love the the people that God puts in my life. That's cool. That that puts a button on the idea of like how this series even started, right? Because there's a lot of people who think that the Ten Commandments are legalistic. We need to, like, they, they don't know how to handle it. And yet when we opened up the series, we talked about how this ties directly to the gospel. And it's about loving Christ through all this and how we can do that. And getting getting to the heart of each commandment. So I, I, I'm touched by how uh, enlightened, I guess, you, you feel or what you've learned and the convictions uh, you have formed as you've gone through that. I know as a church, there's been a lot of good discussions. I know actually we have students who have been uh, taking notes, engaging in it, and actually getting in a little bit of arguments with other students who uh, don't necessarily attend and things. But it's so awesome to see 
people coming to see the law of God and seeing Christ behind it and not succumbing to uh, legal Christianity or, or things like that, or even just throwing it all, all away and just like, oh, we don't have to listen to this anymore, but really seeing what God intended with that. Yeah, I, th- I think we, you know, if I, if I were to preach another a follow-up sermon, I would talk about how easy it is to follow into that. One side of that is the legal Christianity, like, hey, you have to do this, yeah, right? And it's so built into like, hey, if if you're not, well, you're not saved, or, you're, or if you're not, you're not spiritual. That, that's not the point of it. The point is the point is to the gospel. But then the other side of that, I think what we do is we end up, we want to be the, the ones who define what love looks like. right? And so when we say, hey, I want to love my neighbor, and the way I want to do it is, well, what, what, what makes me happy? And so I'm going to do it do whatever I, I want to do. And so this is actually some of the debate, right? Hey, love your neighbor. Don't, don't leave your house. Right. Love your neighbor. Wear a mask. Okay. I can understand those things. Yeah. I, I can really understand those things. But, but when we mandate that on someone is this is how you love your neighbor. No, that's not what the law of God says. Mm-hmm. That might be your application of it. And if it is, God bless you, do that. Yeah. But God's law, it gives us these 10 simple commandments not easy necessarily, but simple that, that we can all understand them. Some of them are only two words in the Hebrew scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't murder, yeah. <laughs> don't commit adultery, mm-hmm. don't lie, you know, don't steal those things. And so we don't have to, we don't have to, and we shouldn't make it up on our own. You know, we, we don't, it's not like uh, capricious. We don't, we don't just say, here's what I want it to be. And right. so this is what it is. It's, mm-hmm. this is what God's law has said. Last go. If if our listeners uh, are interested in the series itself, you can actually find the series on our YouTube channel. Just type in VCF Longview, and you'll find our YouTube channel there, and you can watch along there. there uh, we've made a whole playlist that you can engage with. Uh, if you're on Faith Life, t- or actually, if you, there are sermons are now on Faith Life TV. You can watch those on your television or Roku and all those things like that too. So, pretty excited about that. So, Mike, kind of taking a turn towards our, today's topic, we have Easter coming up and you have invited us as a church valley to fast on friday uh so today i think we're, we would like, we'd like to take a look at the topic of fasting mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely you know, i was trying to remember if we did this the last couple of years because this has been a practice and kind of how i try to honor and and remember Christ's sacrifice mm-hmm. on, on Good Friday, but I don't know if we've we've done this before or if I've talked about it before. I, I don't think we've ever talked about it, but you have invited us as a church to participate in fasting on a particular day. If you were to ask me about last Easter, honestly, because we were in the midst of brand new COVID. Oh man, that I, was... I honestly don't remember Easter. That probably didn't happen last year. Yeah, yeah I don't remember anything. Because it was all online last year. That was, yeah. a, that was, that was hard, man. It was hard. Um. But yeah, we're but, talking about fasting this year. Yeah, so so w- w- fasting. W- when we're talking about fasting, mm-hmm. we're not talking about running a race, like being fast. We're talking about intentionally setting aside food and or drink for a certain period of time. And in our context, it's to increase our awareness of the, the spiritual life that exists in us mm-hmm. and around us, right? And this actually is the origin of a lot of the fasting protocols that we see today. Uh, we, we talked about this earlier that um, in our conversations that like nowadays we see a lot of people talking about intermittent fasting and fasting for weight loss and mental clarity and all these things like that. Those all happen to be benefits that they learn from following the protocol this, that that ancient religions and scripture has have taught us. So we're actually going to the root of some of the things that we see today. Yeah. Yeah. So like in the Old Testament, oftentimes fasting would happen during times of suffering 
or times of mourning or times of, of distress. You think about, you know, Esther when she's going to go and appear before the king. And when she goes to prepare that, she, she calls the nation to pray and to fast. Mm-hmm. It's a time of, of increasing their, their awareness of their dependence on God and really, in a sense, begging God for his mercy and his kindness and his help. Um, and, and so for, for us, we, we, we kind of launch off of that, off that and we say, okay, well, what, what does it look like for us to fast today? Well, there's a sense of sorrow in it. There's a sense of mourning in it. Jesus himself, he, he fasted. He, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, right? And then he was tempted at the end of that fast. And, and so for, for us, we look at some of those instances, some of those moments in the scripture when people fast. We say, okay, well, what, what should it look like for me? Why okay. should I fast? When should I fast? And you're right. Our culture, there's a, a health, health benefits. Yeah. The people, they intermittent fast to... I don't know, gut health and all that There's stuff. There's a lot of reasons that are they're, they're thrown out there, yeah. But for me, you know, I, I go back to well, why do I fast? And I think about when I was first introduced to fasting. Mm-hmm. And it was when I was actually a teenager. Sounds maybe odd, but, but the church I was part of, we did something called the 30-hour famine. Yes. Through an organization called World Vision that they do, they do relief work and there's child sponsorship. And so when I was a teenager, we learned about it. And the way we learned is we said you're, we were going to fast for 30 hours, go without food for 30 hours as teenagers. Tall order, right? Yeah. And as teenagers. And we were going to do that in a kind of as a an act of solidarity mm-hmm. with the countless children around the world who go hungry regularly. Mm -hmm. And so for us as, you know, 20th century, you know, um, you know, fasting is something kind of outside of our realm of every, everyday ordinary knowledge. Especially for us here in the States, it seems like not to paint with a broad brush, but for those of us who live in the United States and don't visit other countries, like there's food to be had. Right. Uh, for the most part, there are a lot of people who don't miss meals. Like I'm, I'm sh- I know there are people who struggle with poverty and things like within our country, but there's also the other end of it where there's a lot of people we die because we have too much food and we don't stop eating. You know, so it's that's that's a tall order for people yeah. to to just stop for a second. Yeah. So so I learned about it that way. We would actually raise funds, and the funds would go to support children. It was re- it was a pretty cool thing, especially as a teenager, because we would, it was basically a mission trip without going anywhere. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of good came out of that, and um, a lot of fun stories. I like to tell a story about a friend. He was a high school player, football player, big guy. And uh, I'm happy you uh, made that distinction because there's a difference between a high school player yeah. and a football player. <laughs> he might have been that too. I don't know. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, he was he was a really big guy. And what we would do is uh, during our fast, we would make sack lunches and we would go and we would meet with folks downtown Seattle and we would folks that are hungry. Okay, we'd meet with them. We'd pray with them if they wanted. We would give them a, a lunch. And um, and so he he told me a few years after he called me he said Mike I got to confess something to you he says remember when we were making those sandwiches while we were fasting I snuck them and I went into the bathroom and I ate them and <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it but but you, I, I share that because fasting's hard it is yeah you know when you fast and you get to that spot where th- there's actually a, a moment where you like realize man I'm my, my stomach's telling me I'm long past overdue for, for eating mm-hmm. and you start to feel like even like a little bit of weakness right your body starts to say hey the red flag red flag something's not right here i need attention mm-hmm. and and what ends up happening you know is is it, it impacts the entirety of your your life like we would we would teach kids early on when they were fasting i did this as a youth pastor as well hey you're gonna get grumpy yeah. 
yeah. you're going to find that you're going to have a really bad attitude, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it impact you, you, you are placed in an experience that you're not used to in, and that can serve one of two directions. You can either go the route of being grumpy and frustrated and complaining, or if, if you allow every time your stomach grumbles and every time you, you, you kind of mentally realize, oh man, I'm, I'm fatigued right now. Mm-hmm. And every time there's a, a, just a, an experience that reminds you, man, I'm, I'm 18 hours past due for a meal. Every time that happens, if you're willing in that moment to, to intentionally turn your mind toward the Lord, what I have found has happened happens is is it cre- increases your awareness of who God is. Yeah. It increases your awareness of of your dependency upon Him. It really it serves for um, not just gut health or not just mental. Would you call it earlier? Mental clarity. Mental or, clarity. Yeah. It, it serves not just those purposes. Although there probably is some benefit that all of us probably need. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it really does is it it serves to increase your awareness of, of how dependent you are upon God. You, you know, I, you, you said what you just said just now, and it made me realize that, um, I, in my experiences of fasting, I didn't realize, but in those experiences, what you just said, like we can either get grumpy or take that as an opportunity to lean on God during that dependence. That's actually like a, a training like issue or you're being, you're training your mind to like, when I face hardships, I'm going to, I'm going to face the Lord. I want to lean into him because I know like typically when you train a student or you train anyone, right? You want to put them in a controlled stress environment and fasting is you're submitting yourself to this idea that I'm, I'm going to go through the stress of things. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, when I face issues in life, when I like, I like this last weekend, we had some, uh, we had you know, some issues with like, we had to work through as people at the end of service. I just went and had like a big whopper. Like that's, I eat my feelings, you know, like I turn to food sometimes I'm like, I'm going to, I need the dopamine hit. I, I need this. Yeah. But when you eat fast, I, it has been my experiences because of we've done this. Like I am more likely to turn to scripture in the word to be just to pay attention to what God is doing because of those controlled moments of practicing that, of that, that muscle memory. So that when you face issues in real life, man, you know, like I know, I know where to go. The Lord is near. I can, man, that, that is such a cool thing to just kind of go through that training to posture ourselves, to lean on him more by practicing that. Yeah. That's, those are great dots to be connected in your mind. And, and I think that there's, there's benefit to doing this whenever you're going to do it throughout the year, whatever situation. I know some people, they fast once a week and that increases their prayer life, all that. I, I would, I would encourage that if obviously there's some, some medical issues around this too. If, if your doctor says, Hey, you cannot fast, it will, mm-hmm. it will do damage to you. I, I would lean away from that or figure out a different way to go about it. Right. But, but that said, if your mental bill of health is clear and you're able to, um, I, I think that there's one day, at least for me, that is most meaningful and it's good Friday. Mm-hmm. Good Friday is the day that we remember Jesus's, his betrayal, his arrest, his beating and torture, and subsequently his his execution on yeah. a cross to pay the price for our sins. I, I think when you when we fast on Good Friday, there is something that happens. And every time my stomach grumbles, and I stop and I say, first of all, what I'm experiencing is nothing compared to the suffering of Christ. Wow! Like it, it doesn't compare at all. That humbles me. 
that puts me in a posture of desiring to worship Christ, that that increases my gratitude off the charts, right? I mean, there's 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 such a spiritual blessing and benefit that happens when physically you, you're challenged, mm-hmm. but when you connect that with the reality of what did Christ suffer for me? I'm sitting here, I'm missing one or two meals. I, I, I'm I'm hungry. Well, wonder wonder uh, what it was like on that cross. Right. I mean, it really does. It creates a gratitude for the gospel and for Christ and his work that, I mean, I, I just, what, what am I trying to say to our listener? I'd say, you, you might look at fasting as a chore. Mm-hmm. You might say, oh, I don't want to do that. That seems outside of my comfort zone. And, and when you do it, and when you do it in regard or in relationship to remembering Christ's suffering, it will not be a chore. It'll be one of the, the greatest blessings you've experienced because you're you're intentionally focusing and remembering on what Christ has done for you in a way that we don't always remember, you know? You know, you talk about it being a, a chore and stuff. And I know when you start off with something like that and you start to go into, I guess, low blood sugar and all that stuff, that's why people get grumpy. Your brain, your body's like, hey, where's the gluten? Where's where's all the sugar I'm used to by by running off of whatever like the calories you normally eat and then your body eventually kicks into whatever it does and you feel you feel better but one of the things you mentioned earlier though it's just is that awareness of god that spiritual awareness and that is i don't know that's always the goal for me is just to be more in tune with the spirit of god I always love Jesus's example because you talked about in the Old Testament, you show that like people did that in response to mourning or, or they would go into a mourning rituals. But uh, Christ did it right before he started his ministry, right? He, did, he went out and he went to be one-on-one with the Lord to be in tune with him so that he would go and and he went, he went in the power of the spirit just to be in tune with him. I That is always exciting for me. And, it, and that's something I've always held on to is like when I know there's a big decision that's there or there's a new season about to come, I, I like to practice fasting for a couple of days just to, just to get my mind right. Because a lot of the things that we do as Christians, a lot of the seasons that we step into, it deserves our attention and our preparation as we go into furthering the kingdom of God by his leading. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it postures me in a way that says like, you know what, this, this stinks when I first do it. But then when God shows up, it is it it is so worth it. It is right. so powerful. And God's really kind to meet us in that. And it's not that and, and I I don't think our listeners will be thinking this way, but I just want to be clear. It's not that by fasting we're able to manipulate God to right, do what we right. want him to do. That that's not how it works at all. It's actually the opposite. By fasting, we become more aware of who God is. We become more aware of our dependence on him. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes prayer is Prayer and fasting are bound together. Prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. And when they're bound together, what usually happens is instead of having whatever kind of frivolous prayers might be part of my prayer life right now, like, hey, God, bless me with this, or hey, God, do this in my life, like things that would benefit me. When we fast, when we become aware of our dependence on him, there's, there's in a real sense, our prayers change. Yeah, We become more sensitive to what he's actually doing and what his priorities are. Instead of saying, God, I, I want all the comfort. Please help me with my comfort. We say, God, I see my friends who are yet to trust in you. God, give me a broken heart for them. Give me opportunity to share the gospel with them. Help me be an influence for the spiritual good in their lives. You know, it, it changes us. It doesn't manipulate God or bend God to our will. But in our 
in our spiritual weakness, we find a strength as we lean on the Lord more and more. And so it's maybe it's a one a year once a year thing for our listener on a, on good friday if that's your where you start wonderful but i think your practice of if you have a big decision to to have intentional prayer and fasting i, I often wonder what would it look like for as a church if we just regularly said hey we're going to we're going to skip this meal this 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 even one meal a month and gather for prayer and uh, earnest prayer i, I yeah. wonder what what might happen in each of us how God might shift and change us and mature us in, in into a, into a people that He really can use for His glory. You know, we we started this podcast with uh, the realization that Christians are no longer the cultural norm in America, and I, I really think for us as we move forward with the gospel ministry, it's going to require more and more people to practice fasting. I, I not not to not to steal your thunder here, but eventually we're going to get to that scripture that, that talks about like Jesus, it's, it's implied that he, he, he assumed that we would practice. It's, 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 it's a part of our practice to, to be able to do it. It's not like if you pre- fast, it's when you fast. Yeah. This, this observation was made to me when I was in Kansas city by uh, someone and they were talking about preaching this passage and they said, Jesus, he, he just says Matthew six verse 16 through 18 says, and when you fast, uh, yeah. i.e., this is part of your life as a spiritual being mm-hmm. that he, he assumes this isn't a command like you better do it or else, but he, he assumes as people who are pursuing spiritual things, people who are pursuing God, that fasting will be part of our life. It will be part of our practice. Why? Because when we, when we let our body face that difficulty, it increases our awareness of spiritual things. So he says, and when you fast, he says, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting means may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying, you know what? If you're going to fast, don't, if you're going to make it a big public ordeal, I mean, that's why it's, I'm almost like, I get nervous about even talking about my right. practices, right? Because I don't want to be, you know, you and I, we don't want to be like, look at us. Yeah. He says, don't, don't like make your face gloomy and don't drag your feet and, and don't make sure you, you know, you kind of look somewhat grumpy. And some people are like, are you okay? And you're like, well, you know, I've been, I've been fasting for two and a half hours. and uh, Don't do it for the applause of people. Maybe not two yeah. and a half hours, yeah. but, uh, you <laughs> that know, that would like, be sad. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't make it so that you're getting attention, right? What does he say next? Verse 17. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's saying, go on about your day like you would any other day, right? And so if, if someone's listening and they choose to fast and they go to work on Friday, don't go to your workplace and be like, yeah, I'm fasting for Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like just go about your business. And it, the, the, the idea behind this too, it's, we go about our business because this is a deeply intimate thing with God. It's very relational. It, it is. It, it is so relational that like if you start focusing on like, well, look at me, everyone. Look how holy I am. I'm doing this. I'm suffering for the Lord. You're not connecting with the heart of God. You're connecting with your ego mm-hmm. is what you're doing because you want the you want the applause of man. And you'll get it. Yeah. You'll get your, Jesus says you'll get your reward. You'll get your reward, but you're completely missing the point <clears throat> and you're missing out. Oh my gosh! That's the, right. It's the it's the bad trade. Yeah, it's it's trading something incredible 
a deeper relationship with the father mm-hmm. for something surface level. Oh yeah. My, my friends at work, they think I'm a pretty cool guy cause I'm fasting. Yeah. Right. What well, what do you really want here? You, you, you want to deepen your relationship with the father. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, this is kind of where we start. We say when we fast, let's just act normal. Don't, don't make it a big public ordeal. Let, let's, let's be just who we are. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if you're new to fasting, maybe consider uh, hydrating. Mm-hmm. Um, when I fast, I don't fast from food and water. I, I stay really hydrated. Um, that that does help just health-wise. Yeah. And, um, you know, different people have different convictions about that, but I, I, I would say there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's probably pretty wise to do, actually. Um, Jesus, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I, I don't know if I'd recommend that to anyone. I've heard of a few people in modern times doing that and it messes you up. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that said, you know, a, a one day fast is really appropriate and probably appropriate for most. A three day fast might be a stretch for some. Yeah. You want to so ease you, your way into this. Yeah. And you, you're going to want to talk to your doctor if you, you do plan on anything more than that. I, right. I, I, I would, I would encourage you to do that. I, I laughed earlier because I, uh, I went, when I was in high school, it was one of the first times I ever tried to, to fast. I had read about it and I was going through some stuff and I, me and a friend decided to, to fast. I actually made it like three or four days. I, the first day was the worst. And the second or third day, you, you start to perk back up because your body goes into like survival mode. It, we, we can get into that another time. But like my mom, my mom was aware of what I was doing. And she made it so hard because she was like, I was just drinking water. But she's like, well, don't do this. I don't want you to. Okay, if you're going to do this, can you drink some milk at least? Here's some Gatorade. Have some lemonade or something. Just get some calories. And you're like, mom, that's not what I'm doing. It's not what I'm doing. And then on day four, when I finally was like, God showed up. And when God showed up, I was like, I think I'm done. Like, I think I'm good here. Uh, I told my mom that. She's like, okay, good. I made it. And she made all this food for me. And I was excited to eat. <laughs> uh, I know where you're going with it. Yeah, don't do that. Because your body goes from nothing to just revving up. I had the worst stomach ache yeah. after that like you, you want to ease your way in with like some bread yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> well and let's talk about that for a moment because if if you're part of valley and you decide to fast on friday and then you come to our good friday service it's a, it's a really beautiful thing mm-hmm. because at our good friday service we'll break our fast together yeah with with communion yeah with the lord's supper with the the broken bread reckon remembering jesus's broken body and and the, the cup remembering jesus's blood that was shed um, I'll tell you what, there, there's no better way mm-hmm. in my mind to, to break a fast than remembering uh, Christ's suffering together with the church family. And that would be beautiful. Mike, I, I have a couple questions for you. Um, just, I guess I would love your thoughts on this uh, because you, we talked about, you know, like talk to your doctor and because the, the classic idea of fasting is no food, no food or water or whatever you want to do. But I, when I was in college, um, when I was introduced, reintroduced to the idea of fasting, at the college I went to, we had a, a week's worth of fasting that they or, or they were encouraging students to be a part of. And they did they did food for a couple of days out of the week, but then they had like other options. They had, did things like media fasts. Uh, they did a sleep fast. I did that once. Do not recommend that. Um, they're basically they, what they what they said is like fasting. The principle is like denying yourself of something, and in that time that you would be engaging in that you would serve that you take that time to seek the Lord in, in those moments, I guess like that, I guess, what are your, I, I don't know if that's biblical. It's not actually, honestly, they didn't have social media back in like the time of Christ and things like that. But I don't know what, I, those are some uh, principled steps that people can kind of take 
to to move in that direction maybe I yeah. don't know. So, so fasting it, it is built around the idea of denying yourself food mm-hmm. and so those extra fasts right fasting from tv screen time mm-hmm. fasting from video games i wouldn't discourage those mm-hmm. right but at the same time i would say really biblically speaking I, I would encourage you if you're going to fast from screen time i would encourage you to do that alongside of okay. your fast from from food right because Obviously, if you're fasting from food and you go spend the next 12 hours playing video games, you're probably not going to have the benefit that really is waiting for you through fasting, Mm -hmm. right? Your mind's not going to be at the same spot. And so I'd say those aren't a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think they might be a lesser version uh, of what biblically we see when when someone fasts. Mm -hmm. I I, I would stand with you on that. I I do stand with you on it because... It's easy to not eat because I know some people are like, well, I'm going to fast. And what they do is they'll start their fast at like at eight o'clock at night. So they when they wake up, I'm like, well, I've been fasting for almost 13, 14 hours. I think I'm doing good. Well, you were asleep the whole time. Yeah. You know, there's something about if you want to be if you're seeking the Lord in a fast, like you want to be conscious, you want to be actively seeking him. Like, I, I like that you talked about it earlier, like those grumbles that you have in your stomach when you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm hungry. It, those are those moments where you're like, okay, now let us continue to pray and to seek Christ in this. And I, I think one way to, th- to, I guess, clarify this in our mind is when you fast from screen time or you fast from something you enjoy, you're, you're fasting from a pleasure versus when you fast from food, you're pl- fasting from a need. Yeah. Those are two different things. Mm-hmm. You can go the rest of your life without screen time. Well, some of us can. You can go the rest of your life without screen time. <laughs> okay. You will survive just fine. You can't go the rest of your life without food. That's true. Unless you want a very short rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, and so I think that it's just they're, they're very different kind mm-hmm. of fasts. Yeah. Fasting from something that's fun versus something that you need. Mm-hmm. Those are very different. Yeah. Very different experience. Mm-hmm. And that's why we couch that with the idea of, you know, speak to a doctor, make sure you kind of know what you're about to enter into before you do that. Because some people, some people go gung ho and they say, well, Jesus did it for 40 days. I want to try that too. I've met people who tried that, man, that's, it's not safe. Cause then it becomes like an ego trip too. Like, well, Jesus did this. I'm going to like meet this challenge. And it's about the challenge and not seeking Christ. You're not Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if, if someone fasts for a day, man, that's great. If, if, if you feel like you want to go, like if God leads you to go longer or something like that, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's about you and the Lord. And that's that, that you, that unity and that relationship in that. And don't, don't throw that aside. It's not about the challenge of itself, but it's Christ. Yeah. And, and again, if you fast for a day, great. If you fast for more than that, cool. If you fast for one meal, if that's where you start, mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. I, I would say, you know what? You, you are going to find some benefit in that. Um, and then just, I, I don't know, I, I wanted to mention this earlier when you talked about your mom cooking you a, a feast. <laughs> when, when we used to do the 30-hour famine, the first few years, we would actually, our church would come and they would bring like potluck style more food than you knew what to do with. And, and it was awesome, yeah, right? But yeah. it was the same experience. The last few years when I was a youth pastor, when we were doing it, we would break our fast with rice and beans and tortillas. Okay. okay. And it was, it was again, it, part of it, actually, it increased that that sense of solidarity with the world who that would be a... That would be a gourmet meal for many. Mm-hmm. And instead of just gorging ourselves, we, you know, we would have a tortilla with some rice and beans and and maybe some Cholula, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so I would encourage that also. Like when, when you fa- if you're gonna fast, don't don't kind of let the pendulum go from I'm not eating anything to now I can be a glutton. You know, yeah. like ease back into it. 
And, and not just for the physical reason, but for the mental and spiritual truth. Like I'm re-engaging into food with a greater awareness of my dependence on Christ. Okay. Mike, I know we're, we're kind of encouraging people to try this, especially uh, with the Good Friday coming up. Can you kind of walk us through what the Friday will look like for you then as, as a fast or like how you prepare for it? Or, you know, you talked about hydrating. Do you drink a bunch of water before going to bed on Thursdays? Is it? I don't. I'll just drink, you know, drink water throughout the day. Okay. I'll get up, I'll drink water. You know, I, I take some medicine. I'll take my medicine, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll fast from that. I'll, I'll get up, take my medicine, my allergy medicine. You're suffering today cause you didn't do yours, <laughs> yeah. but, but I did mine. And so I'm okay. I'll do that on Friday and, and just throughout the day. And, and, you know, I have found sometimes if I'm a plate at a place where like there's food out, I'll, I'll eat it without even realizing it. And so it's hard. Mm-hmm. And so just being really aware, like if you've got food sitting out on your counter, fruit, or even like snacks, nuts or something. If it's just like in a bowl somewhere, just be aware of that. You might want to put it away ahead of time because I just, I like a little, can, like a little mini candy bar or something. If it's sitting there on my desk, I'll just eat it without even thinking. And then be like, there's been times where I'm like, I'm chewing it. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. You know, like, <laughs> so just be kind of, just plan for it, I guess, okay. you know? And you said that you do drink water throughout the mm-hmm. day. I know, th- I know there's some people who are like, no water. I, I drink water. Yeah. In fact, zero when we did, calorie when we did beverages, the, I guess. When we did the, the 30 hour famine, we did water and we actually did like clear liquid. And so we would do juice, mm-hmm. uh, like, um, you know, from concentrate has some sugar and stuff in it. You make your own decision about that. Yeah. I generally don't, um, but I'm not a big juice drinker anyway. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of make your own decision about that. If people like just kind of a play by play, I just want to lay this out for some people. If you feel led to do a multiple day fast, this is typically how you will feel. If you go the first 24 hours, your body will deplete uh, all of its natural sugars. And that's why you feel lightheaded and gross. You'll continue to feel kind of sick. But what's happening in that moment is that the, your body, your cells are learning how to develop a uh, machines that'll start to use like your fat as sort and they'll start to eat your fat and that gives you energy and clarity. So when you feel when people, when people fast for religious reasons and not for like health benefits and things like that, typically what happens is when they hit that wall of like my blood sugar is super low and I feel grumpy and I'm upset. Um, I've heard of people drinking juice and, and it, it does help, but what it does is it resets the clock to feeling that way again. Really? Yeah. So if you push through that, for a bit. This is assuming you're healthy and not diabetic because there's, there is a completely different ball game there. Yes. Um, you'll push through that and you'll start to develop, um, just the machines to eat through like ketones and, and develop ketones. And you'll, you'll actually bring, I suspect when people have like religious moments or like, there's like a lot of clarity happened. I think it's also because you have probably got to the point where your brain's a lot clearer because all the sugar is out of your brain now. But uh, that's what you can expect. It's like the first day, day and a half, you're going to feel pretty crummy. But if you get to day three, you'll actually feel pretty good, pretty pretty decent. You're not going to go run a marathon, but uh, things will be pretty clear for you at that moment. So just wanted to give that tip. Like if you drink juice, you're gonna you're honestly resetting the clock. But if you're only doing it for a day, then who who cares? Like gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Well, good to know, man. Cool. So yeah, well, Mike, thanks for sharing. I, I think I think we have a lot of information here, and hopefully some inspiration for people to try. Um, for our listeners who listened before Good Friday, we're, we're going to be trying this. I actually thank you for the reminder because that wasn't even on my radar until we started talking about it today. And I do want to participate in that. So, Mike, would you feel free or feel? Would you close us in prayer? I will. Yeah. I will feel happy to close us in prayer. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> Father. Thank you for this day. Thank you for. Um, 
how faithful you are, Lord. Sometimes we, uh, we forget how much we depend on you for everything. Lord, the very breath we breathe, it's a gift from you. And God, I pray for those who um, are listening right now. I, I pray that you would, uh, you would draw them near in the many different ways that you draw us near. You, you would keep our attention on Christ. You would give us thankful hearts for his death and resurrection. And for those who are able, Lord, I pray that you would lead us toward, um, toward a life where we regularly do fast, even this Good Friday, that we would do it and it would result in in that secret reward between between that person and, and you, our Heavenly Father. I pray you would draw us near to you. I pray you would give us clarity about the the aspects of our life that we need clarity regarding. I pray it would lead us to be uh, quicker to repent of our sin. I pray it would make us bolder in doing things that are spiritually good for others, like praying for others and sharing our faith and and even just serving those around us. And, and God, I pray that all of this results in you being glorified because you're worthy of all glory and honor. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.